So Shaul in Hebrew, or Saul in Anglicized, was the first king of Israel. He was appointed as king by the prophet Shemuel, by the prophet Samuel, in the year 878 BCE. So we're talking close to 3,000 years ago. Now this was during what's known the period of the judges. In fact, the reign of King Saul marks the change from what's known as the period of the judges to the period of the kings. The period of the judges was the first period after Moses Moses led the people to the promised land and Joshua led them into the land. The period after that was known as the period of the judges. At that time, each tribe essentially was somewhat independent, ruled themselves, and there was no central government of Israel. There was a central Sanhedrin, Supreme Council, but there was no central government. There were, however, Shoftim. Shoftim were judges, were people who were essentially the civil leader of all of Israel. And usually they stood up during times of war. They were there to gather the people together in order to battle Israel's enemies. And they also dealt with other kind of national issues facing the Jewish people. So King Saul was, um, so during this time, there were various judges during this time. Um, The final Shafet was the prophet Samuel, the prophet Shemuel, who served as the spiritual leader of Israel. He was a prophet. He was the leader of the Sanhedrin of the Supreme Council of Israel. And he also led them to battle against the Philistines. Just before Samuel had become leader, the Philistines, who were a group who lived southwest of Israel, they lived along the southern Mediterranean coast near where the Gaza Strip is today. Um, they included the city of Gaza, of Ashkelon, of Ashdod, were all Philistine cities. So they lived over there. And the Philistines had overrun Israel and controlled Israel during the days of the, prophet A- of the high priest Eli. When the prophet Samuel became leader, he led them to battle against the Philistines and they pushed back the Philistines and they became independent of Philistine rule. When the Philistines had earlier overrun Israel before the days of the prophet Samuel, they had destroyed the temple in Shiloh. When, when Joshua led the people into Israel, they built a temple. They didn't know where God's permanent temple was going to be yet. They didn't have a permanent spot for the temple. So they temporarily made a temple in Shiloh, which stood for 358 years. It was destroyed when the Philistines destroyed, when the Philistines conquered Israel um, in the days of the prophet Eli. During this period of the prophet Samuel, there was no temple. <coughs> Only later, King Solomon, who's going to be the son of David, who's going to succeed Saul, is going to build a temple. So there is a period of more than 50 years where there is no temple. During this period, Jews are allowed to offer sacrifices wherever they want. Once a permanent spot was offered, was, once there was a permanent spot for God's temple... Jerusalem, we're not allowed to offer sacrifice outside Jerusalem even when the temple is destroyed. When there was a temple in Shiloh, you could only offer sacrifice in Shiloh. But but the period in between when Shiloh was destroyed and Jerusalem was built, you were allowed to offer sacrifices anywhere you want. And we see that throughout the days of the prophet Samuel and the days of Saul and David, they did offer sacrifices in various places. So this was the Samuel becomes the prophet. He successfully leads the people in beating back the Philistines. However, when Samuel's older years, when he gets older, the Philistines recapture Israel and they reign over Israel with an iron fist. At this point, Samuel is already older and no longer able to lead the people in battle against the Philistines to push back the Philistines. The people come to the prophet Samuel and they say, we want a king. We want a king who could rule over us and lead us in battle. At first, Samuel is upset. He says, God is our king. What do you need a king for? But Hashem told him, no, you should appoint a king. So the man that that the prophet Samuel is going to choose will be Shaul HaMelech, King Saul. Who was Shaul? Who was Saul? 
He was a man. F- what a competition today. He was a man from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was a very small tribe. It was the smallest of the tribes of Israel. In addition, just before the days of the prophet Samuel, of the prophet Shmuel, there had been a great a civil war among Israel. Story of its own, should do a class on it, one of the perhaps saddest stories in our history, that there was a civil war between 10, 11 tribes and the tribe of Benjamin, in which the tribe of Benjamin was almost entirely wiped out. Only a few hundred Benjamites remained. So it was a tiny, tiny tribe at the time. But Saul's from the prophet tribe of Benjamin. He's described as a strong, good-looking man, a head taller than everybody else. And I say our tradition tells us he was a great Torah scholar. He had been a student of Samuel. And he was a saintly person. At the time that he is appointed as king, he appears to have already been older at the time. His father, as we'll see in the story, is still alive. But he appears to already have been older because he already has adult children at the time that he is appointed as king. So the story starts in the book of, Sa- in the book of Samuel. It starts with a fellow called with Saul's father. His name is Kish. And Kish, Saul's father, loses his donkeys. That's how the story starts. So he sends his son Saul, along with a servant, to go look for the donkeys. They go around, they travel throughout the region looking for the donkeys. They travel for three days and they cannot find the donkeys. So they decide to go back home. When the servant tells Saul, you know, I heard that the man of God, the prophet Samuel, is nearby. If we go to the prophet Samuel, maybe he can tell us where the donkeys are. So Saul says, I would go, but the only problem is I'm out of money. I have no money. When you go to the prophet, it's good to bring some money for charity to the prophet. For the prophet to distribute to the poor, you can't just go empty-handed. So the man says, well, I have a very small coin on me, um, a quarter of a shekel. And so we'll give it to the man and we'll ask him for the donkeys. So they go, they agree, they go to the town. They're outside. They say, is this where the prophet Samuel is? And um, the people respond, yes, he's here. And in fact, he's planning to offer a sacrifice this afternoon. They had an altar there in the town where the prophet was. He's going to offer a sacrifice here. That night, that day, God told the prophet Samuel, the man that we are going to appoint as king over Israel is coming. He's going to come today. And so they come and they enter the city. They, who do they bump into? They bump into Samuel himself. They didn't have pictures back then. They don't know what he looks like. They say, where is the house of the prophet? And he says, I am the prophet that you're looking for. Come with me because we're going to do a big sacrifice today. And I want you to join me. I have something special to tell you. And you'll stay overnight with me. And so don't worry. Then he says, don't worry about the donkeys. They've already been found. But every you will now be the you and your family will now be the most important people in Israel. Saul's shocked. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Most important people in Israel. He says, No, I'm from the smallest tribe. I'm just a regular guy. I'm from the smallest tribe, Benjamin. And from a minor family within Benjamin. What do you mean? So Saul goes along with the prophet Shmuel, the prophet Samuel. And they come into, they offer the sacrifice together, and he invites him down for dinner. There's about 30 people that are in, invited by the prophet for dinner where they eat the sacrificial meat. And he gives him a special portion to Shaul, who he sits next to him. And then he stays overnight. And the next morning he gets up and he says, I want to walk, I want to accompany you on your way. And as they're going, they go outside the city. And, Sha- the pro- and the prophet Shmuel Sa- Samuel tells Shaul, tells Saul, tell your servant to go on home himself. I have something to share with you. 
So the servant goes on ahead, and then Shmuel pulls out a jug of oil. He pours it over Saul's shawl's head, and um, pouring oil is always a way that we anointed our kings using oil. And he said, God has appointed you as king over Israel. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to travel on your way. You're going to find two people by near Rachel's tomb. And they're going to tell you that the donkeys have been found. And your father's looking for you. You'll keep going. You'll come to a place called Alon Tavar. Over there you'll find three people that are going to be on their way to Bethel. In Bethel, there is an altar. Um, this man, remember, this was a time when people were able to build altars. There was an altar. The altar in Bethel actually had been built by our ancestor Jacob. Jacob had slept. He had his famous dream in Bethel and built an altar there. That altar was still standing in the days of the prophet Samuel. They were heading to Bethel. You'll join them. And you'll go. They, they were, you'll, which Bethel, by the way, is in the other direction. Samuel was in. Uh, Samuel lived in. Um, uh, lived. Um, near Jerusalem, which is near where Givat Shaul was, just north of Jerusalem. Bethel was significantly further north. Um, so you'll go with them to Bethel instead of going home. You'll come to Bethel and you'll see a group of prophets. And as soon as you see them, God will appear to you and you will then get prophecy. And you'll become a prophet. And you'll change and become a different person. And indeed, exactly as he said happened, he met these people who told him that their father found the donkeys. His father found the donkeys. He then met these people going to Bethel. He joined them. He went to Bethel and he gets prophecy. And everybody's shocked. They're saying, is Saul a prophet? He's just a regular guy like us. How did he become a prophet? Anyway, Saul goes back home. Nobody knows that he's king. Just him and the prophet Shmuel. Nobody else knows that Shaul has become king. He's the only one. So he goes back home, goes back to work as if like regular life. Forgets about it. Shmuel, meanwhile, calls all of Israel to mitzvah. Mitzvah was the gathering place. When they would gather the people, they tend to gather them to mitzvah. Gathers all the people to mitzvah and announces, we are going to now appoint a king over Israel. But we're going to do this very fair. We're going to do this with a lottery. And so he takes the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, puts them in a box, and picks up the tribe of Benjamin. Then he says, he's going to put all the families of Benjamin in a box, and he comes out with the Matri family, which was the tribe that the family that Shaul came from. He puts all the members of the Matri family, the names in a box, and out he picks up the name Shaul, son of Kish, Shaul ben Kish. They look around, everyone's looking, where is he? Where is Shaul? They can't find him. Nobody knows where he is. Someone says, I heard him hiding. I saw him hiding among the bags. They go, they find him. Indeed, he's hiding among the bags. They bring him. He is a head taller than everybody else. Shmuel says, this is the man that God has chosen. He is your king. They blow chauffeurs and they call out, long live the king. So then the king, uh, then um, Samuel writes a, uh, a document of all the laws of the king, how the rules of what the king is able to do and how he's going to rule. And he says, everyone go home. Saul doesn't know what to do. He goes back home too. Goes back to regular life. People follow him home, but he doesn't do anything. He's just a regular guy. So there were people who questioned, said, what sort of king is this guy? He's working in the fields like everybody else. He's no king. This man's not going to help us. Then Ammon was a nation to the east of Israel in what today would be Jordan. Actually, the capital of Jordan today is called Amman. The king of Amman, um, Amon, his name was Nachash. So Nachash leads the people of Amman to battle against the Jews in Yavish Gilad. Gilad is modern-day Jordan, was the east bank of the Jordan River, which was Jewish then, the tribe inhabited by the tribe of Manasseh. 
Well, they surround the town of Yavish Gilad and they're going to capture it. The people of Yavish Gilad say, we surrender. What are your terms of surrender? And Nachash says, if you surrender, the condition is every man must cut out their right eye. They said, we're not doing that. Give us seven days. We're going to see if we could get other Jews to come defend us. So they send messengers to all of Israel. Come help us. Save us from the Ammonites. So some of these messengers come to Shaul, come to um, Givat Shaul, the, the um, town where Shaul lived. Shaul hears about it and he feels the Spirit of God on him. He decides that he's going to deal with this. He takes two cows and he cuts them up into many pieces and he sends messengers with these pieces to every town in Israel with a message. Everybody is to meet them, to come and join battle against Ammon. Whoever doesn't come, their cattle will be cut up like this cow, like this piece. Everyone gets scared. He means business. And so everybody gathers to, everybody gathers to give Shal, everyone gathers to Saul. And he tells the messengers, tell the people of Gilad, we are coming. We are on our way. We're going to be there to help them. And so they gather together and um, so counts the people. There are 300 members of Israel plus another 30 members of the 30,000, 300,000 members of Israel plus another 30,000 members of the tribe of Judah. 330,000 people, huge army. And they march towards Gilad. The people of Gilad, it's the seventh day, they're ready to surrender. When the army of Shaul comes, they destroy the Ammonites and save the people of Gilad. Now the people say, wow, this man is really a king. He was able to muster an army and save the people of Gilad. And so they call the prophet Shmuel. They say, let's go back. Let us again appoint him as king. They go to Gilgal. Um, Gilgal was the spot where the altar that had been built by Moses still stood. They went to Gilgal. They offered sacrifices there. And everybody was happy. Um, Samuel says, Saul is now going to be your king. He admonishes the people to always follow the word of God. And now, Saul now actually begins to reign as king. He turns his city into a capital. He builds a standing army of 3,000 men. 2,000 men led by himself, 1,000 men led by his oldest son, Yonatan. And um, he builds system of government. And so he is ready to um, lead Israel. Now really ready to lead Israel. Now remember, during this time, the Philistines were still ruling Israel. They were ruling Israel. In fact, their rule was so strict that they had a rule that no Jew was allowed to be a smith. A smith. They were not allowed to be a smith. A smith, somebody who fashioned metal. A blacksmith. They couldn't fashion metal. Why? Because they didn't want them to be able to make swords and spears or arrows. So they didn't allow them to fashion metal. Any Jew who had their um, plows, which were made of metal, broke, they would have to go to Philistine land to the smiths over there to get them fixed. Because the Jews were not allowed to make any, they weren't, because they said they shouldn't have swords. So very few Jews had swords. Saul managed to get himself a sword. Yonatan, his son, got a sword. Most Jews didn't even have swords. So Yonatan goes, and he, with his thousand men, attacks a Philistine garrison and fills and kills one of the Philistine governors. So now the Philistines are upset. They hear Saul's become king over Israel, and they are ignoring Philistine rule. They've killed the Philistine governor. So the Philistines gather to battle against Israel. And they gather with a massive army. They have 30,000 chariots, 6,000 cavalry, and endless number of foot soldiers. They have a massive army gathered against Israel. They camp at 
a place called Michmash. Now Israel hears about this massive Philistine army that's gathered to reinforce their reign over Israel. And all the Jews get very scared. Everyone runs to the caves between the rocks. Everyone runs to hide. Saul, meanwhile, King Saul, meanwhile, gathers his army at Gilgal. Now Shmuel had told Shaul that before he goes to war against the Philistines, he's to gather at Gil people at Gilgal and wait for him for seven days. On the seventh day, they'll offer sacrifices, and then he can go to war. So Saul gathers the army at Gilgal, and he waits seven days as he had been, has been instructed. He's waiting and waiting. The seventh day comes. No sign of Shmuel, no sign of the prophet. Shmuel's not there. So Shmuel, so Shaul's waiting and waiting, and Shmuel doesn't show up. And the people, meanwhile, are getting very nervous. There's this massive Philistine army that's going to attack at any moment. And they're just waiting. And people start to disappear. They start to go run away, the soldiers. They're scared. They think Shaul doesn't have the guts to attack. Shaul's nervous. If he waits any longer, there's not going to be anyone left. Shmuel's not showing up. What's he going to do? So Shaul says, gives up and he just offers the sacrifices on his own. As he finishes offering the sacrifices, Shmuel shows up. Shaul sees him. He's so happy to see him. Shmuel says, what did you do? What did you do? Shaul says, uh, why did you offer the sacrifice with me? Shaul says, I was going to lose all the people. They were all leaving. I was going to have no one left. What should I have done? Shmuel says, you made a big mistake because you did not listen to God. Had you listened to God, God was going to make you and your descendants king forever. But because you did not listen to God, God's going to take away your kingdom and make somebody else a king in your place. So now Shaul, the Sh Shaul now counts the people. He's left with a total of 600 people. That's it. Meanwhile, the Philistines send out their attack groups in three different columns to attack, in three, to attack Israel in three different directions. And so at this point, um, there's only, there's a small group with Shmuel, Shmuel uh, with Shaul. Shaul has this tiny group, only 600 men against 30,000 chariots. And most of these men don't even have swords. They're just fighting with their bare hands. How are they going to win? And so, um, Yonatan turns to his um, arms bearer and says, let's go close to their encampment. And maybe God will make us a miracle. They come close. And Yonatan says they were close. They were in a place that they could not yet be seen. He says, let's go to a... We'll run out, come out in front of them slowly. And when they see us, they'll know that we're Jews. If they say, wait there, we're coming to get you, we'll know to run away. But if they say, come here, we'll get, come here and we'll get you, then we know it's a sign from God that we should go attack. And so they go out, they stand, and um, they, um, they come out, they're able to see them, and the people say, come here, the Philistines say, come here, and we will get you. And so they run to them, they attack these people, and they kill 20 people right there. And suddenly people are falling, just from Yonatan and his um, arms bearer, his assistant, themselves are killing people, Philistines. Philistines get all confused, and the Philistines begin to run. They get all scared. Meanwhile, the scouts in Saul's camp see the Philistines are running, and they look all confused. And so they turned to, at the time, they had the high priest who was there. He had what was called the breastplate. They would be able to stand before the high priest and ask the high priest a question and um, receive an answer. And um, they asked the Cohen, should we go attack? And the answer they got was attack. And so they attacked the Philistines and they were able to really destroy a large number of Philistines and the Philistines fled.
And Saul said, nobody, in order to ensure God's victory, we announced throughout the camp as they were attacking the Philistines, we are all going to fast today. Not a very smart thing. You're in war. You're in battle. We're all going to fast today. And so they all... Um, and so everybody gets the message, except one person doesn't get this message. Saul San Yonatan didn't get the message because he had already gone ahead. He was already in the Philistine camp fighting on his own. So he didn't get the message that everybody was supposed to fast. And they're chasing the Philistines. They chase the Philistines through a forest where there is a lot of honey, date honey that had dripped from the dates on the ground. The people are hungry. They're starving. They're weak. But they can't touch it because Saul said nobody's allowed to eat today. He made a rule. Nobody's allowed. He swore nobody's going to eat today. Yonatan's also running through the forest. He sees the honey. He takes from the end, end of the edge of his stick, takes some honey. He eats it in order to give himself energy. And lay, the people tell him, Yonatan, why are you eating? Don't you know your father announced that nobody's allowed to eat today? Yonatan said, what a foolish thing. We're in battle right now. We need to eat. We need to have energy. And so they, um, the Philistines run, and they all, they re, they, um, Saul gathers his troops back, and then he turns to the Kohen and he asks the Kohen, um, should we um, continue to attack the Philistines tomorrow? And this time the Kohen says, God did not give me an answer. The stones don't light up with the answer. And so... The, and so the um, and so Saul says and so Saul says there must be somebody sinned over here. It's either you guys or it's me and my son Yonatan. So he puts he makes a, a lottery to see who it is. He says the troops or the king and his son. And it turns out on the king and his son. He says it's either me or Yonatan. He makes a lottery between the two of them and it falls on Yonatan. He says Yonatan, what'd you do? He says I ate. You said not to eat. The king says, well, I said whoever eats is going to be killed. I'm going to have to kill you. The people say, well, are you crazy? He saved us. He saved, our, he saved Israel because he attacked the Philistines and confused them. You're going to kill him? Don't, please don't kill him. So Saul relents and he agrees not to kill him. And so they, um, and so they attacked, continued to attack the Philistines and um, they, they managed to chase the Philistines away from Israel, and Israel is now saved from the Philistines. Any questions? <laughs> well, uh, where did, I know David comes much later, doesn't he? But doesn't he kill, isn't Goliath a Philistine? More coming. I thought so. More coming. <laughs> story continues. It's a good story. Okay. So... Now the prophet Samuel tells Shaul, I want you to, um, God has earlier, there's a commandment in the Torah to destroy the nation of Amalek, which was a nation that lived south of Israel. So it's now come time to fulfill that commandment. I want you to destroy this nation, men, women, children, and animals. Pretty horrific instruction. We did a class on Amalek a little while back, you may recall. It's on the podcast. And so... Shaul gathers the people and um, attacks Amalek. And, but the people have pity on the animals. And Shaul also has pity on the king Agag. And he doesn't kill him. They don't kill the animals. And it appears that they also didn't kill some of the people as well. And so God then appears to the prophet Shmuel and says, I regret having make, made Shaul the king. He didn't listen to me. And Shmuel is very, very upset. He comes in the morning, he comes to Shaul, and he comes to the um, camp, and he says, Shaul tells Shmuel, I have fulfilled God's commandment. I destroyed Amalek, as you said. Shmuel says, but I hear the sound of animals. What are all those animals? Shaul said, oh, we left the animals to offer them as sacrifices for God. So Shmuel says in his immortal words, does God need your sacrifices? Listening to God is better than the choicest sacrifices. You did not listen to God. God says that you were the leader of Israel. But, and God gave you a message to destroy Amalek. 
but you did not listen. And because of that, God will take your kingdom away from you and give it to somebody else and God no longer will be with you. Shaul apologized. He said, I sinned. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I was afraid the people, for the people would be upset. Shmuel says, too late. God um, has torn your kingdom already from upon you. And um, Shaul says, at least come, come with me, join me, offer sacrifices with me, so that people don't publicly see my humiliation. So Shmuel agrees to do that. He kills the king of Amalek, King Agag. And after that, he does not see Shaul again. He's so upset at Shaul for what he has done wrong. So then Hashem turns to Shmuel and says, time to anoint a new king. I'm done with Shaul. Time to anoint a new king. I want you to go to Bethlehem. And over there, there's a man called Yishai, Jesse. And you're going to anoint his son as king. Shmuel says, if I go to anoint the son as king, if I go to anoint, I'm sorry about the background noise, but we're sharing with the Hebrew school. Next week we'll be quiet again. So he said, if I am to anoint him as king, Shaul will hear, he'll kill me. So God says, no, go and pretend that you're making sacrifices there. Go to make, offer a sacrifice in Bethlehem. And then while you're there, you'll secretly anoint Jesse's son as king. So he does that. He goes, he offers public sacrifice. And then he goes to Yishai and his sons. He sees the oldest one. He's big, he's strong, he looks like a righteous man. God says, don't look at him. He's not the one. He then calls the second son, Avinadav. And he brings him before Shmuel. Shmuel says, no, that's not the one either. They go through seven sons of Yishai. Shmuel rejects each and every single one. He says, do you have no other children? He says, yeah, I have one more son. He's young. He's a shepherd. And so Shmuel says, go call him. So they call him. He's a redhead. And Hashem says, that's the one to anoint as king. His name is David. And so Shmuel pours the oil over his head and he becomes king over Israel and he's anointed as king over Israel. The spirit of God that had been over Saul now leaves Saul and is now found with David and instead Saul is filled with the spirit of depression. At this point, Saul's advisors turn to him and say, "You're, you're depressed, you're sad. Why don't you get a musician to play music for you? So they seek a good musician. They hear that there is a shepherd from the house of Judah, son of Yishai. His name is, Sha- is David. And he is an amazing harp player. And he plays beautiful music. So they bring David to play music for Shaul. And he becomes Shaul's, per- um, Shaul's um, permanent mu- uh, official musician. Whenever he sits before Shaul and plays music, Shaul feels amazing. He feels the Spirit of God with him. He thinks it's from the music. He doesn't realize it's because David, the king, is sitting right there. The next king. Whenever David would leave, he would feel depressed. Meanwhile, the Philistines haven't given up on recapturing Israel. And so they gather a great army to war against Israel. Shaul gathers the army of Israel and... This man, a giant Philistine, stands up. His name is Goliath, Goliath. He's a giant man. He's six and a half cubits tall. A cubit is a foot and a half. So he's more than ten feet tall. This is a giant man. And he has, he's covered with body armor. He has a helmet, body armor. And he challenges Israel. And he says, why don't you have one person come and fight with me? Choose someone. Let's see if he could fight me. And he curses God. He says, your God is not going to save you. So David at the time had gone back home. He was at home now. Shaul was at war. He wasn't needed. David's older sons were all officers in in the army. And so David's father, Yishai, asked David to go and bring some food to his brothers. Go check on them. David comes to thee. Uh, comes to the battlefield to with the camp where Israel is encamped and he hears Goliath this giant on the camp in the, from the Philistine camp 
calling out for someone to challenge him and cursing God. He had been doing so for 40 days. Neither camp had attacked each other. And no, everybody had been afraid to challenge Goliath, to challenge Goliath. David hears. David said, what's this man doing? And they tell him, this man every day challenges somebody should attack him. And um, David said, how do you let this man curse God every day? Why doesn't someone go out and attack him? He said, we're all too scared. So David said, I'll do it. I'm happy to do it. I'm not going to let him curse God. And so his brothers say what? His older brothers say what? Go back to the sheep. Who have you left the sheep with? You came here because you wanted to fight, because you want to prove yourself in battle. And David says, I'm ready to do it. And so he says, bring me to Saul. He comes before Saul. And he says, I'm ready to fight. Um, I'm ready to fight with this Philistine. Uh, Saul says, how are you? Go- You're not even a soldier. How are you going to fight the Philistine? David says, I'm a shepherd. And I once fought off a lion. I fought off a bear. If I could fight a lion and a bear, I could fight Goliath too. I could do it too. And so, um, David, he, uh, and so Saul offers, now Saul had promised that whoever um, fights Goliath, he was going to give him, whoever is able to overcome, um, whoever is able to, is able to overcome Goliath, he's going to make him wealthy, as well as he will give him his daughter uh, in marriage. He will let him marry his daughter. So David, Saul offers his armor to David, David refuses the armor. Um, he puts, he takes, um, he offers him his sword. Sword's too heavy. He says, I'll be fine without the sword, without the armor. He takes his stick, finds five stones. He has a slingshot and he comes close to the Philistine with a stick. And Goliath laughs at him and says, you're going to come to me like a dog with a stick and um, I will destroy you. I will make your flesh will be eaten by the birds of the sky. So David says, you're coming with a sword and with a spear, but I am coming in the name of God that you have, that you have cursed, that you have, um, that, uh, the, the God that you have cursed. And God is going to destroy you and everyone will know that it's not about the sword and the spear. And so as the Philistine was getting up, David, David ran forward. He shot his slingshot at him and uh, he, he shot at him and a stone hit the Philistine on his armor, just under his, on his forehead, just under his helmet, and he fell down to the ground. David ran over, grabbed Goliath's sword, and slayed Goliath with his sword. When the people saw that, they all ran, they chased the Philistines, the Philistines all fled, and they were able to that way vanquish the Philistines. So, at this point, David now became a hero. David is now a great hero. Um, people were celebrating, and now people they were there was a chant that they were chanting. Um, Saul slayed thousands, and David tens of thousands. But Saul had promised to give his daughter to David. At first, he was going to give his older daughter Merav to David. Later, he ended, instead he gave his younger daughter Michal to David. David is now the king's, in addition to being his official musician, he is also the king's son-in-law, as well as Saul appoints him as the leader of the um, armies. He's proven himself um, in battle. Um, he's proven himself in battle. And David also becomes very close friends with Saul's son, Yonatan, who was also a leader of the troops. David leads the troops into battle multiple times against the Philistines, and he is very successful. Saul, meanwhile, is feeling very depressed. One time, he is sitting with David in his home. David is playing music for him. Saul is upset, and he starts to think, you know, he's jealous of David. David is now the great hero. Maybe David is the one that God is choosing as king in his place. So he takes his spear... And he throws his spear at David. David ducks and he runs. He wasn't going to stick around to see if Saul was going to try again. He ducks and he runs. Um, Saul sent messengers to try to find David. Um, 
David had went to his house and his wife Michal, he was, uh, it was at night, his wife Michal lets him flee through the window and she puts a, um, something in his bed to look like he's there until he gives him time to run. She opens the door for the soldiers and she says, David's gone, he fled, he left. And so um, that way David, David flees and runs away. Where does he go? So he runs with nothing but the clothing on his back. He's, he's, he doesn't know where to go. Um, and so he runs. He first meets his friend Yonatan. He says, Yonatan, I don't know why Saul's ha- is against me. I don't know what I did. I did nothing wrong. Why is he, um, why is he attacking me? So Yonatan says, maybe it was a one-time thing. Maybe he isn't going to do it again. Yonatan says, you know what? Tomorrow is going to be Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh is the new month. Tomorrow is going to be the new month. And Saul every month made a big party for Rosh Chodesh. So there'll be a big party. All the family and all the important people are going to be invited. You'll be invited too. And so you won't show because you're not coming right now. And let's see what he says if he notices that you're not there and if he gets upset about it. So the first day, the, the first, so they, there's a dinner for Rosh Chodesh. Yonatan is there. David's not there. Shaul doesn't say anything. He thinks maybe he wasn't able to make it. The next day, it's two days Rosh Chodesh. Sometimes we have one day Rosh Chodesh, sometimes two. It's a two day Rosh Chodesh. And the next day they do another party for Rosh Chodesh. And again, David doesn't show. So Saul turns to his son Yonatan and says, where's David? So Saul says, oh, he asked me, he said, they're doing a family party at home in Bethlehem. He told me that he's going home to Bethlehem. So Saul then gets upset at Yonatan and says, how dare you, why are you friends with this guy? Don't you know he's going to be the next king? Instead of you, you're my oldest son. You're supposed to be king after me. But David's going to be the king instead. Because of him, he's going to take away your kingdom. How can you be friends with this guy? He's going to, I'm going to have him killed to make sure that he doesn't take away our kingdom. Jonathan says, why? What did he do? He didn't do anything wrong. He's loyal. So Saul pulls out his spear, about to kill Jonathan, his own son. Jonathan knows he doesn't do anything, but he threatens him. Jonathan knows David's not in good, a good place right now. Saul is not is going to harm David. So he goes, he made a sign with David where he was afraid to be seen with David openly. He made a sign that they would go out to a field and he would shoot arrows. If he tells his servant that the arrows are, and this, tell the, he's going to send the servant to go and find the arrows that he shoots. Practice target practice. If he tells the servant the arrows are further away, David, who's hiding in the field, will know that, the, that he should run. Saul's upset at him. If he says the arrows are closer than where you are, then David will take that as a sign he could come back. And so he shoots, so Yonatan goes out to the field, he shoots the arrows, and he tells the servant, goes to find them, and he says, no, the arrows are much further. David realizes Saul doesn't want to see him. So, Sorry, I got a lot of competition today. So David, so um, then the servant brings back the arrows. Jonathan sees nobody's around. He sends his servant home. David sees nobody's there besides Jonathan. He comes out, they embrace. Jonathan says, go, because if you don't leave, um, because Shaul's going to kill you. So David runs, but he has nothing. He has no food, he has nothing. Where does he go? He goes to a place called Kiryat Ya'arim. Kiryat Ya'arim was where, sorry, he goes to a town called Nov. Nov was where they had built a temporary temple. There was no temple during this time. So they built a temporary temple in Kiryat Ya'arim, where the high priest was, and where they would do the daily service. They had to do the daily service somewhere. They built a temporary temple in Nov. So David goes to Nov. Over there is Achimelech, is the high priest. Nov, Nov, N-O-V, Nov. And over there is Achimelech, the high priest. And he tells Achimelech... Now, nobody knows that David's fallen out of favor with Saul. Everyone knows that David is the son-in-law of the king, the leader of the armies, and the great hero. 
So he tells Achimelech, I have an urgent, I was sent on an urgent mission for the king. I didn't even have time to get food. Can you give me some food? Achimelech says, the only food I have here is the holy bread, the lechem hapanim, the bread that was placed before the, inside the temple. I don't have any other bread. David says, give it to me. I don't have anything else. David was going to die of hunger. He says, give it to me. He says, and I need a sword. Achimel says, the only sword I have is, we have Goliath's sword. They hung up in the temple as a sign of thanks to God of the great miracle. David says, give it to me. So he gives it to him. David continues, David's on the run. I'm not going to tell David's story of how he ran and where he went. Story of its own. Um, but then, there is a fellow, Saul is a, very upset that David had run away. He decides, I'm going to go chase David, I'm going to go find him. There was an advisor of David whose name was Doeg. An advisor of Saul, sorry, whose name was Doeg. Doeg happened to be in the temple at the time that David had come and taken the bread and the sword. Doeg reports to Saul, you should know that Achimelech the high priest gave David bread and a sword. Saul summons Achimelech the high priest and says, how come you gave David bread and a sword? So Achimelech said, well, he's the, he's the leader. He's the son-in-law of the king. He's the leader of the armies. He asked me, he said he has an urgent matter, an urgent, he's on an urgent mission. He needs it, I gave it to him. Saul said, don't you know that he rebelled against me? Achimelech said, I have no idea. Saul says, too bad, I'm going to have you killed. Not only am I going to have you killed, I'm going to have all the Kohanim killed. And Saul has Achimelech killed, and has Doeg leads the killing of all the Kohanim of No. 85 Kohanim are killed, along with their wives and children. Terrible massacre. Terrible, terrible thing. So then Saul continued. One son of Achimelech survived, Evyasar. He flees to David. David is out in hiding, out in the mountains. David is out hiding. Uh, David gathers a group of outlaws that were also um, uh, they gather around David and some of his friends. Gather to him. He has a group of about 300 people that are on the run. Saul gathers an army to try to chase David, try to find David. They have a few run-ins, but they're unsuccessful. He's unsuccessful in um, finding him. And so, he almost meets him a few times. David finds Saul, but he keeps um, failing to find David. And he spends his time, the king of Israel with his army, are trying to chase David and find David. See, Saul's gone fallen quite a bit. Then at this point, the prophet Shmuel dies. Prophet Shmuel dies. He died out of touch with Shal. He was upset at him. He had twice not listened to God. And so now, Saul, now the Philistines gather again for battle against Israel. At this point, Saul wants to ask the prophet Shmuel what to do. But the prophet is no longer alive. So he asks his servants, find me somebody who knows how to do the magic called Ove. Ove was a form of magic where they would awaken the dead and get a dead person to speak to them. Now, they say, how can we find somebody who practices Ov? You have destroyed all the magicians, as the Torah tells us, it's forbidden to do so. You've outlawed it and gotten rid of all of them. Then nobody practices that anymore. He says, I'm sure people practice in secret, find me one. This is, of course, forbidden. It's forbidden to practice Ov. Torah says so many times. And so, um, and so they um, find, they manage to find somebody, they find this woman um, who is a magician, who can practice this oath. And Shaul says, I want you to um, bring me up the prophet Samuel. She says, I'm really scared. 
I'm a, he, he doesn't go pretend, doesn't tell her who he is. He goes in disguise. She says, I'm really scared. Saul's going to catch me and catch that I'm practicing this oath. Don't tell anyone. And so she brings him up, the um, prophet Samuel. And Samuel says, why have you awakened me from my dead? Commentaries debate as to whether it was real or it was made up. Why have you awakened me from my dead? Saul says, because the Philistines have gathered against me and I don't know what to do. And so the um, and so Sam so should I go to war? And he says, You will go to war against them, you will have no choice, but God has gone from you, and as a result you will die in battle. And so indeed the Philistines gathered to war against Israel, and Saul gathered also to go to war against the Philistines. And they fought with the Philistines, and indeed this time um, Saul dies in battle alongside his son, Yonatan, and they, are, uh, they both die in battle um, with the Philistines. They do eventually, David then comes along with his men, helps them in battle. They do manage to push back the Philistines. Um, but Saul and his sons die in battle. And so all three of his sons. And so at that point, um, at that point, Israel then splits. Avner, who's Saul's general, appoints um, Saul's um, remaining son, Mephibosheth, as king, while the tribe of Judah anoints David as their king. Eventually, there's a fallout between Mephibosheth and Avner, and all of Israel unites under King David. So that is, in short, the story of King Shaul, King Saul. There's a lot more detail. Um, the book of Samuel tells it in much detail. The Midrashim tell it in even more detail. That's the story of King Shaul. He starts off as a very, very promising king. He starts off as a very humble man who went hiding when he was first chosen as king, didn't want to be king. But then he fails time and again. Right? He fails time and again. First he fails not listening to Shmuel, offering the sacrifices before he was supposed to. Not waiting for Shmuel to come at the end of seven days. People were leaving. Then he, during the battle, he foolishly tells, uh, announces that everybody has to fast. Foolish thing, almost ends up killing his own son as a result. Then Samuel instructs him to destroy Amalek. He fails, he doesn't listen, he doesn't destroy Amalek as instructed. Then later, then later he fails further. David becomes king. David, uh, he meets David. And he becomes jealous of David and spends his time trying to chase David. And he sinks so low that he kills Ahimelech, the high priest, together with 85 leading Kohanim in the temple and their families because they helped David even though they did so innocently. They thought they had no idea that David had fallen out of favor at that point. So he ends up with this horrible murder on his hands. And he ends up with a horrible death. His entire reign, the book of Samuel tells us, was all of two years. He fell very, very quickly. He was the chosen of Israel. He was the greatest of Israel, the one chosen by God, and yet he fell quickly. Why? What went wrong? Why was Saul, who was so promising, why did he fail so miserably? So the Talmud tells us, the Talmud tells us that Shaul lo dofi. He did not have any dofi could translate as fear within himself or any uncertainty. He was confident. He was overconfident. He made foolish decisions time and again not seeing the fallacies of his own decisions. He was over certain of himself. 
he didn't have that humility. He had humility. He didn't want to be the center of attention. But he didn't have the humility to question himself, to question his decisions. The Talmud says David, David also made a lot of mistakes. But David didn't fall in the same way David, uh, Saul did. David, David, Hayabo Dofi. He had that uncertainty. He was careful. He wasn't overconfident like Shaul. He wasn't certain like Shaul. The, king, the Talmud says a king must walk around with a bag of rodents behind him. Saul didn't have that. Bag of rodents behind them. No, rodents. Rodents, that's what the Talmud says. Shratzim, doesn't say. But it's, it's a metaphor, it doesn't mean literally. It means a king has to know that a lot of their decisions are going to be wrong. A leader has to know that a lot of decisions they make are going to be wrong. They have to always be second-guessing themselves, asking advice from people, double-checking. Is this really the right thing to do? Am I really doing what I'm supposed to do? They have to recognize that they make mistakes, serious mistakes, and own up when they do wrong. When Saul first, when the prophet Shmuel first confronts Shaul for not listening to God, he says, "What do you mean I listen to God?" He takes him time to even admit his mistake. He's not prepared to admit that he's fallible. Doesn't question his own ability to make doesn't consider his own ability to make mistakes to do things wrong he was missing that kind of humility and so the story the promising story of Shaul along with his tragedy at the end teaches us the importance of recognizing our own possibility of making mistakes the Midrash tells us God tells David, Shaul, Saul was a much greater person than you. Better king than you were. Had he not had this one problem, he would have done much, much better. He was a much better king than you. But David was humble, not in the sense that he was hiding and didn't want to be out in public. That's not real humility. David was humble in the sense that he always questioned himself. He was always unsure, always asked for advice. And when he did do wrong, he immediately owned up. He did wrong multiple times. Every time when he was faced with what he did, he immediately owns up and says, I was wrong. And felt terrible and felt guilty for what he did and begged God for forgiveness each and every time. And that's the difference. So Shaul was the great king of Israel who had so much potential and yet he fell because he was unable to see his own incompetence, his own mistakes, his own possibility of doing the wrong thing. The Rebbe tells us, told us that that teaches us a very powerful lesson. Not just that everyone's fallible. That we know. Everybody's fallible. Everybody makes mistakes. Always listen to other opinions. Always take advice from others. Weigh everyone. And be prepared to admit that you made the wrong decision. Be prepared that you were to say that you were wrong. But it's not just that. There's something else that we learn. Somebody does something wrong. And we all make mistakes. We all do wrong things. We all, and you feel really guilty. You feel terrible about what you did. Say, how can I continue? Don't think that the bad thing that you did is going to stop you. It's not. It didn't stop David. He kept going after he did wrong things. So long as we're able to admit and recognize that we do bad, there's nothing wrong. Well, there is wrong with making wrong decisions. It's a problem. But it's not going to stop you. The fact that you make wrong decisions is not the end. Everybody does the wrong thing. Everybody's made mistakes in their life or made bad decisions in their life that they come to regret. Don't let that stop you. You keep going if you're able to admit it and then build on it and then do better next time.
And the problem is, so don't see your negative decisions or you, the negative things that you've done or that have happened to you as something that is going to stop you from being able to go further. It's okay. David did it too. The problem is when you can't recognize that you do wrong. You're a lot better off recognizing that you do wrong. Today we live in a society where public figures, if they ever own up to their mistakes, right, they get, everybody complains, okay, you can make mistakes and keep going. Not that big, a, you can make bad decisions and keep going. Not that big a deal. We did a class um, a little while back, it's on the podcast, about um, leaders that, um, uh, that have scandals. What the Jewish, the Jewish perspective is on scandalous leaders. So, um, but it's okay. Even if there's a scandal, it's okay. Keep going. But only if you could admit that you did wrong and fix yourself. If you, you can't admit to your mistakes, like Shaul, if you don't recognize the possibility that you're doing wrong, then you end up just falling further and further and further, like Shaul, who fell so far he ended up committing a mass murder. So it's, we learn from Shaul the so promising, yet he fell so far that yes, we make mistakes, yes, we do wrong, but we need to be prepared to admit to it and build on it and become even better as a result. So I thank you all for joining us. Thank you.